Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for joining me, us, wherever you are in the world. I can't wait to share my guest today with you. His name is Louis Monero. Louis Monero is a leading authority on out-of-body experiences, or OBE. Louis graduated with honours in chemistry from Florida International University, He has taught courses on OBEs, paranormal phenomena and spiritual growth across Europe, Australia and the Americas. Lewis is the former director of the International Association of Consciousness, IAC. He is the author of Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience, a practical manual for exploration and personal evolution. Lewis offers classes regularly, volunteers and is one of the founding partners of Mosaic Wellness and Health a spiritual institution with a broader approach where individuals can grow in their own way. This is his story and this is his passion, Lewis. I'm so honoured and excited to have you on Passion Harvest. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity and for everything that you do, Lewis. It's such a fascinating subject and I can't wait to discuss it more. But just for those that don't know you, would you just mind giving a brief background in the interest of time of how you got to where you are today? What led you on yeah. this path? Yeah, of course. Uh, I know that it's, uh, it's interesting on the one hand and on the other hand also it's very unique. You know, it's not uh, part of like the mainstream yet at least. Um, I actually started having out-of-body experiences spontaneously, voluntarily when I was about 12 or so. And at that time, I just, I didn't know what they were. I just knew that I was outside my body, very aware, very clear, and that I could see my physical body lying in bed sleeping, which on the first opportunity, it actually surprised me a little bit. Uh, And that is why, you know, as I, you know, grew up and came across books or people who were talking about it, you know, I always kept my, like my ear open, my ear up. And I tried to absorb as much as I could techniques, you know, uh, ways of doing it, et cetera. And naturally, you know, compiling all of these exercises and, and things, sorry. It's okay, it happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, compiling all of this uh, information and obviously, you know, putting it to practice, trying to develop my own skills. I started to, you know, it basically led me down this path, uh, you know, of, uh, of trying to understand better the out-of-body experience and, and, and all of its effects, all of its benefits, I should say. Wow, you make it sound so simple. For those that don't know, do you mind just explaining what is an out-of-body experience in a little bit more detail? Sure, sure. So the, I guess the classical normal way in which it happens to most people is in the middle of the night uh, for, and, and the most common one is the involuntary actually uh, disconnection, meaning the person is not trying to do it or to produce it, but just in the middle of the night for some unknown reason, you know, you uh, regain your awareness and you're already outside your body. Sometimes before regaining the awareness, you feel some different sensations. Some people would call them strange sensations, certainly because they are different from our physical life. So like a vibration or like the sleep paralysis that many people sometimes describe. 
and this prompts them to, to disconnect from their body. But sometimes they just already recover the awareness when they are outside their body and they're just simply floating, aware, conscious, lucid, the same way that you and I are right now. And this is a, an interesting point because many people ask, you know, don't you think you're dreaming? Wouldn't you confuse yeah. it with a dream? And my response is always, well, first of all, no, but the level of awareness that you have, you know, when you're having an out-of-body experience is basically the same level of awareness that we have right now. You know, and just like we don't confuse the, the, the right now moment with dreaming, we don't confuse an out-of-body experience with dreaming. You remember everything. You remember what you had for dinner. You remember, you know, your Facebook password, your address, your phone number. And sometimes I go into these little things because these are usually the things that we don't remember when we're having a dream. So, um, so it's, it's very clear that you're in a different condition. Plus, you can see the physical reality, you know, your bedroom, you can go through wall and go into your uh, living room, etc. For most people, I would say the out-of-body experience, especially the first ones, they tend to last uh, seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, is to a certain extent a little similar to when people have lucid dreams, that the moment of lucidity or of awareness, when you realize that you're in the middle of a dream, sometimes it only lasts maybe... I don't know, maybe five seconds, 10 seconds. And then, you know, it drops into, into the normal level of awareness, right? So uh, for most people, it lasts just maybe 20, 30 seconds, a minute at the first one. They become surprised somehow and this brings them back into the body. And this is, I guess, an average out of body experience. And also, by the way, <laughs> yes, I know I explained it very normally, very in a very mundane fashion. But this is just simply because for me, they happen in a very common, normal fashion. And I know that this is not the case for everybody, but that was the case in which they presented uh, with me. Yes, and what, what it is for, for most people, obviously, it's this moment of awareness that they have outside the body, and then they return to their physical body. And um, while they are outside the body, they can experience, you know, both the physical reality from this new perspective, but also other spiritual planes or, you know, other places that go beyond the physical reality. So I have spoken to some people and they think they, they say that the out-of-body experience is even more real than what is real, but then, then their waking state. Then, then what some people would call the matrix here, The matrix, right? yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, it can be. You know, what happens is that when you have out-of-body experiences, your level of awareness is not fixed as opposed to here in the physical reality that we basically, you know, with some variation, but we basically are always in the same level of awareness. Our memory tends to work basically at the same level every day, you know, our uh, level of perception of, uh, you know, digesting facts, etc. But when we are outside the body, no. There are some moments in which we have uh, peaks of awareness and there are ways of increasing it while we, while we are outside the body. And then we can be much more aware than what we are here. And it starts to get close to what people call, you know, being in the nirvana state or samadhi or satori, which is uh, many of those are this moment in which you're, you have an expansion of the awareness and you go way beyond your physical limits. So that is certainly a possibility and, and with the out-of-body experience. It does sound amazing. And it, it, I'm assuming, how, how do you define where you go? Is it a different realm? Is it a different vibration or a level 
of consciousness? Uh, yes, uh, or actually all of those, in the okay. sense that when you are outside the body, you can be looking at the physical reality, if you wish, the real-time reality right here. So uh, that would just simply be, you know, looking at the physical reality, mm -hmm. but you can go to several other planes of existence or dimensions or spiritual worlds, and you can move uh, with some experience, you can move from one dimension to the other and visit them and interact and, and learn from those realities, which by the way, it's also what uh, people who have near-death experiences describe. Right. And, and the out-of-body experience, many times to you know, help people to, to understand it or to organize it in their mind uh, properly, I say it's a near-death experience, just simply it wasn't forced. The person wasn't forced by the car accident, by a heart attack, but it's something that happened spontaneously or that you induced it, you know, in even a more healthy fashion, really without, with no, without the trauma, without the trauma, without the near death part. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you can stay away from that, that's, that's always good. <laughs> so <laughs> I've tried this and it hasn't worked for me. Well, I probably haven't tried hard enough. <laughs> I've got lots of questions, but what do you see? And, and, can you choose to go where, I mean, obviously you're an expert at this, but can you direct your path where you want to go? Yes. That's two yes, questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yes, you can, you, can, uh, you can certainly, you know, choose where you want to go. If you are on that specific um, experience at a good level of awareness, the way you and I are right now or beyond this, then yes, we can choose where we want to go. Just like right now, you know, we can choose to, to ask a specific question or to, you know, go to the bathroom or to grab a little bit of my coffee here. So you can choose where you go indeed. And, um, and then what you see, depending on where you are, you're going to find or you're going to see that reality that you are, you know, interacting with. So to put it simply, if you are outside the body here in the physical reality, you're going to see the physical reality. You can see your living room, you can see, you know, um, the parking lot, the trees outside, etc. Or in other realities, you can see, you know, the other realities or people that are, you know, existing there or even relatives that have already passed away uh, and you can interact with them. And I, I, I guess the amazing thing about this is that you recall all these experiences when you're awake again or in this reality. Exactly. So similar to the near-death experience that they come back and they're able to remember uh, their experience. But let me say also, this is a skill that you go on developing little by little, because um, uh, with more experience, obviously, you're able to recall better, uh, more, or sometimes even 100% of the, of the OBE. But it's very common, actually, especially even for people who have been trying to have out-of-body experiences, that maybe they already had an out-of-body experience, they came back and the information just simply didn't make it to the brain. And then at this moment, you don't remember it. And the reason why I know this, because I see students that this happens to them all the time, is that maybe four months, six months down the road that they have been practicing and they have their own real induced out-of-body experience, they themselves, they're able to remember this OBE that they had six months ago because now they are outside using the same equipment, the same body that experienced that other experience six months ago. And now they have the opportunity of coming back to the brain with the recollection of both. So, and this happens quite often. So 
several people sometimes, I would say, have had out of party experiences, and it's just that they don't remember at this moment. Are we all having out of body experiences and we just don't remember? Does everyone have them? Um, well, everybody, what, what uh, is observed is that people disconnect from their body in the middle of the night. Most people, it, and when you are outside the body and you see other people sleeping close to you, you know, your, your son, your spouse, etc., you're going to see that this astral shape or astral body, as it has been commonly called, is disconnected from your physical body maybe just a few centimeters, a few inches, you know, not, not a whole lot. And most people are basically sleeping, but outside their body, a little bit disconnected. So what it is uh, less common is to disconnect with awareness, to be able to recover the, the consciousness, the awareness once you are outside the body. I guess remembering is the big thing. Uh, I've heard that we're always connected by some sort of cord to our physical body. Indeed, by these um, energetic connections that also has received a lot of names. Uh, the silver uh, cord, there's many names. Yes, the silver cord. And this is part of the structures of our energetic body, which is something that uh, I wish nowadays science would study a little bit more, really. Um, it, our energetic body are the basis for acupuncture. So the Western doctor focuses a little bit more on the physical body and you know, the oriental doctor focuses a little bit more on the, on the energetic body. So um, when we disconnect, our energetic system basically splits, for lack of a better word, and part of our energies go with our astral body, part of our energy stay within our physical body, and there is always this energetic connection connecting these two, uh, these two parts, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um and just to, <laughs> I'm asking you a lot of questions, but just to define it a little bit more, the energetic sure. body or the astral body, is this the soul? Uh, no, no. So we, we see, you know, for everything that we see, it seems that we have more devices, more equipment than meets the eye. So obviously we have the physical body. This is mm -hmm. a, you know, good tool. It, you know, takes us around. It helps us to experience the physical reality. We interact with it, et cetera, et cetera. And it has its properties. It's fairly, you know, uh, dense, physical, stable at the same time. Um, but it cannot fly. It cannot, uh, usually it's not able to see other realities or other dimensions. Now, the energetic body is a body that basically gives the vitality to the physical body. Sometimes these energies are also called the vital energies or chi, or prana, or organ, or animal magnetism. Really, here comes the, I don't remember, 250 synonyms that have been given throughout the world, throughout cultures, because this actually has been fairly well known. Maybe not necessarily part of the mainstream, but it seems that every culture had its own specific name to, to refer to these energies. And then beyond the energetic body comes the astral body, which is this form that looks exactly like our physical body when we are outside the body and exactly, exactly, you know, if I haven't shaved then outside the body, I have the five o'clock shadow. Uh, I have the scar from when I fell when I was a kid and broke my arm. My astral body has this scar. And in essence, it looks exactly like me because I think I look in this fashion. It's really a a reflection of my self-concept, of my self-identity. I think that this is me, you know, this man with glasses. And, and uh, so, and, and this is what I portray outside the body. 
this is the astral body, but beyond the astral body is where the soul or the essence or, you know, what we really are is, we seem to be, the astral body seems to be just another vessel, another tool uh, beyond our soul. Very interesting. So I guess then the question is why, why does someone want to have an out-of-body experience? What does it do for one? What does it do for you? And how yeah, does it change it, your life now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there are many, many reasons. And, and, and I think that uh, it's, it's not a simple answer because it's a little bit like life that depending on the position of where the, the moment of your life and the age of your life, you have different reasons for getting up in the morning, putting mm -hmm. on your pants and, you know, going to, to experience the world. So first of all, I would say for most people uh, at the beginning, there, there's an, a number of, you know, uh, benefits. First of all, some people want, want to train this and develop this because they want to lose the fear of death, which is a very big thing. You know, yes. uh, many times what takes passion away from the life of people is precisely the fact that they are afraid of, you know, the end of the conclusion of this reality, because we tend to think when we only have the physical perspective that this is all that there is to us. And, you know, what I can say at least is that uh, this that has been written extensively in many, many philosophies and religions is true that, or at least is what I see, that we are all so much more than just simply this identity here, you know, in, in the physical reality, but truly so much more, everybody, and everybody who's listening today, you know, they are so much more. We have so many much more skills, relationships, friends, just something to, to consider here, you know, uh, that I many times say in my classes, not all of our best friends and our best acquaintances, not all of them are alive right now. In this life, there is a set of them that is with us. Maybe some of them are siblings, our spouse, our best friend, etc. But not all of the best friends from previous existences are necessarily alive right now. And this is interesting with regards to the OBEs. When you have an out-of-body experience, you go and you re-encounter so many deep and good friends that at this moment you don't even have concept, a concept really? for them. Yes. And by the way, this is part of the reason why sometimes people, when they have a near-death experience and they are at this moment of like seeing other beings outside the body, they describe that the moment is overwhelming, that they feel so accepted, that they feel so connected with everybody. In part, it's because they have already shared so many experiences, sometimes so many lives, so much drama and trauma and success, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, with, uh, with so many other individuals that, are, that the, our brain, our physical brain, doesn't have a data bank for, doesn't have a reference for, because this brain is for this life. And, and that's okay. But with the out-of-body experience, certainly that is, that is, you know, one of the big benefits. So losing the fear of, of death, uh, finding relatives that uh, have passed away. Many people, sometimes they, they mention that this is their main objective. They want to make sure that, you know, yeah. their, their uh, dear one is, is fine. And, you know, they are there. Certainly we can go, you know, interact with them. Uh, other people, they want to understand better their purpose for their physical life. Because when you leave the body, something that you realize also is that many souls before being born, before coming into this life, intelligently, of course, like any 
any, any intelligent person would do. They are planning a little bit their main tasks or their main projects, so to speak, so that um, you know things are going to be more focused. Really the same thing that we do with anything. You know, We're going to do an interview and we're planning a few weeks before what we're going to do so that you know things go a little bit better, right? But any task that we do in any job, we do that. So the same thing happens before being born. You, you know you're going to have another life. Many of them do, not, not all of them, but many of them do. And then you plan it. So when you have an out-of-body experience, you can get information related to uh, what was your initial intention? What is it that you actually wanted to, to accomplish this adventure of 80, 90, 100 years for some of us? So uh, that is also another big advantage. And besides, there are the advantages more related to spiritual development and spiritual growth. You know, for, for some people, what they want is to have these experiences to interact with these beings of light, uh, angels, masters, illuminated beings, etc. that uh, we can have these experiences as well and, you know, interact with them, uh, consult certain things about our physical life, you know, from, from them. So that as well is another, another big, big benefit. Well, that, well, all those benefits sound amazing. Yeah. <laughs> in the near-death near experience, some people described it almost with their relatives or going to that realm, those realms as being welcomed home sometimes. That's right, yes. And, so, and sometimes, in all honesty, uh, physical language doesn't give us the right expressions or the right words to be mm. able to describe you know, some of those realities. And, and that, is also, that is also a challenge. Uh, but also something else. Let me let me also mention this so that, you know, certainly it, it is amazing, but I don't want to give the impression that you leave the body tonight and all of a sudden all of that comes to you in five minutes and it's, you know, right. a snap and very easy. No, usually, you know, it, it takes a little bit more. It takes some some practice, some proficiency, um, a little bit like a little bit like life, you know, not, not all of the. With life experience, you know, we tend to value certain things more and understand certain things better that, you know, even though we thought when we were 15, I got it. <laughs> by the time we have 15 more years of life, we realize now I really get it. <laughs> and by 45, we realize I don't really got it, but I'm <laughs> becoming better. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so, so that happens as well. Yeah, it's learning, it's growth. Well, how, how wonderful to ask some of the universal truths that you're searching for. Um, and is all the communication telepathic? Especially with higher beings, yes. But uh, sometimes you bump into certain relatives of yours that uh, maybe they passed away just a year ago. Maybe at that moment, they're still not fully adapted and assimilated to the, to the OBE reality, to the non-physical reality. And they are still maybe a little bit conditioned by their physical life, by their identity of their physical life. And then they want to see you move your lips, articulate, right. and speak in English. If English was the language that they knew. If they you know, were born in China, they're going to want to hear Chinese. Uh, so more often than not, yes, it is telepathic. But there are... There are exceptions. There are exceptions. So I probably don't even need to ask this question, but you can do this at will. 
Uh, not at will. Uh, I always explain it that this is like a sport where your your batting average increases or your, I mean, not put a reference from baseball. That's such an American reference. That's okay. <laughs> but you know, in, in basketball, for example, you see the basketball players practicing their free throws. Even though they practice hours on end, nobody really hits it 100%. Mm-hmm. So your, your, your average increases you become better at it and also there are many other factors that affect it some for example sometimes i'm giving classes in different parts of the world and just the the traveling the changing time zones the being tired the eating at airports uh all of that also affects it and you you don't have the same performance as as when you stay at home, you know, in your bed with your yeah. <laughs> with your meal. Sometimes to, to be able to relate this, uh, to this better, I say that it's like going to the gym. When you're in your city, you go to your gym, you have your routine, you're improving. The moment that you start traveling or adding other factors, you try. <laughs> you try to go to the gym, you know. Once a week. <laughs> yeah, in the hotel and go run or do something. But obviously, it, it's just not the same. So, so um, for an experienced professional like you, when you're at home in your routine, how often are you going, having an out-of-body experience? Yeah, in, in my case, I have several per month. Um, so it, it, this is not every night. Certainly. Oh, so I, was about, I thought you were going to say every night or five nights a week. I, I try, um, I should say I try most of the nights of the week to have an out-of-body experience. But in all uh, honesty, many times I just fall asleep or on other times it, I just realize that it's not going to happen. Uh, what happens is that many things affect it, even certainly all the physical things that I was describing, but also um, things related to energetic things and more personal things. So sometimes if you are just like probably other people have realized that if they go to bed and they just watch the news, or they just read about the pandemic. Mm. That doesn't leave you in the best space to relax, to calm down, to disconnect, and to be able to do something else. Or even even something that some people consider entertainment. For example, we watch a horror movie. The person really wanted to watch a horror movie, and and that's okay. But on that night, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because you, you were influenced emotionally by that. So uh, all of the things tend to affect. And on those nights in which we go to bed at peace with the world, everything is, is great. It, it is a little bit easier, indeed. So obviously all your details will be in the show notes for anyone to connect with you, but in very simple terms, how does one have an out-of-body experience? You mentioned you potentially do it before you go to sleep. So you're yes. awake. Well, yes. in some sort of formal week. So do you mind yes. just taking us through the steps briefly? This is not sure. a course, but just a... <laughs> no, no, no. Good question. Good question. I, I, I like it. That, 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 that's exactly what I, <laughs> what I like to do, you know, to, to teach people, you know, how, yeah. to, how to come along. Um, first of all, let me say there, there are many techniques uh, and we could group them sort of like in two main strategies. One is the strategy of I am awake. I am doing some uh, energetic exercises or OBE techniques, and I disconnect from the body without necessarily my physical body falling asleep. The moment that I disconnect from the body, I 
I stay with my awareness the entire time. And the moment that I disconnect, my physical body falls asleep. Yes, for an external observer, and even you outside the body, you're looking at your body, your body's asleep. I, I, I joke, and but this is true, that when I am outside my body, I can hear myself snoring because I am seeing my physical body there right. and my physical body is asleep, but I am aware, conscious. So this is one, one of the main tracks or strategies. The other one that for many people, and this is very individual, so for many people it is better, is uh, people fall asleep. And once they are dreaming, they try to regain awareness through their dreams. Uh, usually they try to get to a lucid dream and then from a lucid dream, jump into an out-of-body experience. So not necessarily that one is better than the other one. It's just really what works better for, for us individually. Usually for me, it's usually the first trajectory, the one that works better. Uh, and then when people try the first, this first track, first they should um, work with their energetic system, try to put it in good shape, in good condition. And there are several exercises to do that. Um, uh, one of the ones that maybe I can mention that uh, is easier and faster to explain, and you know, mm -hmm. people can already try it tonight, is uh, almost as if you were going to do a meditation. You know, you sit in a place where you're going to be undisturbed, and then just simply focus on yourself and start trying to feel your own vital energy inside of you, and try to push it or to move it inside your body from the head all the way down to your feet. And then from your feet, try to feel it coming up to the head. And then from the head to the feet, to the head, to the feet, to the head. And basically you stay trying to move your energy in this up and down movement. We, we call it the vertical flow. And little by little, you start to become more proficient and you start to, first of all, feel it better. People feel it, for example, like a wave of, of coldness or of heat or of like an electricity, a soft electricity that is moving through your body or like a, like a cloud or like, a, you know, when we have cotton candy mm -hmm. and if we, if we touch it, you know, you feel something, but it's very light and subtle. So it feels like that sometimes moving through your body or like a shiver, right. uh, like a shiver moving through your body all the way down and then you're able to move it all the way up and all the way down. So you are trying as much as possible not, not to, imagine it, not to just simply use imagination, but to actually feel it in your body. And really the, 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 the key to this is practice. Practice makes perfect. It's not, it's not anything that mysterious. It's just that the fifth time that we're doing something, we're always better than the first time. And the 100th time that we're doing something, we're better than the fifth time. Yes. So by keeping on doing this, you're going to start to, first of all, feel it better, connect with it better and you start to put your energetic system in good shape, in good condition. This is like exercise for the energetic system, like the equivalent in going out for a walk. But if we start to do it regularly, our physical body will be in a, in a better condition. Now, once you start moving this well, and you're able to increase the amount of energies because you're going to feel how you can increase by your own will by thinking about it, the, the amount of the sensation, the amount of vital energies that you're moving, as you're moving and up and down, you're going to start to produce a resonance condition that historically also has been called of the vibrational state. You start to feel like, a, like an internal earthquake, like you start vibrating. And if you're able to, as you keep on doing this, if you're able to produce a strong enough vibrational state, 
this produces the disconnection from the body. You feel like your astral body pops outside of your, of your physical body. And you might feel other sensations. You might feel the sensation of falling, of the sleeping paralysis, of very strong sounds around your, your head. Like a, sometimes they, they can sound like a, like, a, like a machine, like an engine, like a but very, very loud. Some people describe them as if there are, you know, thousands of butterflies or birds fluttering their wings next to their ears. Like, uh, so, uh, so there can be different noises that you perceive, but those are just simply sensations that let you know I am here in the process of takeoff, of disconnection. So that would be one technique. There are, if, if we had more time, I have like, yeah. I know maybe like 60 or 80. Okay. <laughs> And, and the reason why I say that is because um, part of the learning for having out-of-body experiences is identifying the technique that works better for us, for our personality, for a type of body, for a type of energetic body. Um, so, and this varies from person to person. Some people are much, much better, for example, with imagination techniques for living the body. Others are better with breathing techniques. Others are better with uh, energetic techniques like the one I am explaining. So there's a variety there and it's good if we can, you know, try maybe at least five or 10 from different categories so that we identify the category that works best for us and then stay with that one and, you know, try it out. But this one that I just explained with, with energies, it's pretty basic and it's going to help everybody because really our energetic system needs to get, needs to be in better shape and it needs to get flexible so that it allows the disconnection with control. It would be like the equivalent of doing yoga for the physical body. So it's like yoga <laughs> for the energetic system that makes it be more flexible and it allows you to control the disconnection. Well, I'm excited about that and I'm definitely going to try it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you, you're all invited and feel free to send us emails at Mosaic and ask us questions. Uh, you know, no problem. <laughs> you mentioned uh, when we die, when we leave our physical body, it's very similar. So what, I, I know you've detailed it. What, uh, I'm sure you get this question so many times. What happens when we die? Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, it, you know, just it's like individual, life, yeah. yes, the trajectories can be different. But, you know, if we're talking about the sensations, some of the sensations are very similar to the out-of-body experience. Uh, when people are terminally ill patients, they feel like they feel, you know, a coldness that they already start to see, for example, uh, non-physical things around them, either a relative or even other dimensions. And this, by the way, happens when you're having an out-of-body experience. Sometimes when you have already reached a very good level of activity with this you know, energetic vertical flow that I was explaining, you know your eyes are closed, but through your eyelids, it's almost as if you're already using the sight, the vision of your astral body, and you're able to already start to see your bedroom. And sometimes I already start to see part of other dimensions because I'm already connecting to them, mm -hmm. but I know I'm still within my body. And I, and I know my physical eyes are closed, and even if they were open, my physical eyes are not able to catch other dimensions. So I'm already starting to use part of the abilities of the astral body while I am inside the body. And many people, as they're passing away, they describe the, the same thing. So the, the difference, of course, is that, you know, when somebody's passing away, they, 
they pass away and after some minutes, really half an hour or so, this energetic connection that we were uh, describing before, you know, yeah, severs this cord, exactly the silver cord just simply disconnects because the, the machine here in the physical body basically has stopped functioning. It's, that's it for whichever reason, right? So it takes several minutes, sometimes even a half an hour or more, you know, for the silver cord to completely disconnect. And by the way, if during that half an hour or so, you know, the paramedics arrived and they put enough voltage on the machine and they, you know, put the machine, you know, activate the machine back to work, because the silver cord hasn't disconnected, the person has the opportunity to return and it's what we call a near-death experience. But obviously, if they arrive three days later, it's a cord already disconnected. Yeah, no amount of electricity is going to is going to make an effect there. So uh, mechanically, that's that's you know, in and in a summary, that's pretty much what happens. And once it happens, you know, um, depending on the person, some some people stay close to their hospital bed or to their uh, house. Other people, they already see, just like in, a, in the cases of near-death experience, they already see a tunnel forming in front of them and they find themselves going through this tunnel or following this light. And this is usually what you perceive in an out-of-body experience when you're going to go from one dimension or one reality to the other. So when you're going to switch them, there's not always, but many times this tunnel that forms in front of you and you arrive at another dimension, place, realm, mm -hmm. difficult to know exactly what is the right term, but you arrive at, the, at this other dimension and now you are just in a different frequency. So uh, there might be some people that you recognize there, uh, some people, your spirit guide uh, might be there also to, to advise you, to try to guide you, you know, into what's next, to try to help you, especially for many people, they try to help them with the transition to understand because for many people it's still obviously it's still a shock that the passing away because it, it's a natural shock we we spend you know 70 80 years with this body seeing the world and understanding the world only through this perspective that naturally we get used to the fact or we think that this is us and um and that's also what's good about the out-of-body experience as it gives us a perspective that is broader we are, we and everybody is much more than just simply their physical identity right now. Yes, it's a huge expansion of consciousness. Um, it's a yeah. hard concept to grasp, but when you talk about the other realms or other levels of realities, they're actually right here. Is that correct? They're not that some far right. off universe. That, that's right. It's not a, I always explain in the class, it's not a matter of distance or of altitude of height, you know, like you have to go 20 meters up. Up into the sky. No. It's not that. Yeah. They're all here. That's why sometimes the idea of frequency, it's, it's a good one to describe this. It's, it's, they're here interacting with us. They're just simply sort of like in a different frequency. What separates them is not exactly frequency, you know, this concept from physics of the amplitude of the wave being different and but because there isn't again there sometimes the words in the physical languages uh, escape us we really don't have them frequency it's a good it's a good term to start out with it's acceptable yeah. yes <laughs> yeah yeah are there any dangers of the out-of-body experience 
Um, I cannot say it's 100% safe, but most of the things that are said about the supposed dangers of leaving the body, uh, they are sometimes a little bit exaggerated and, and, and overblown. Actually, I think that in my book, I don't remember if chapter two or chapter one, uh, but at the beginning I start already explaining the things because uh, sometimes people are concerned on whether if they leave the body, you know, they might not be, they might not come back mm. or they, somebody else might grab them and hold them. And, you know, then you, again, you won't be able to come back or you will get lost or the silver cord, the silver cord will get ruptured. And, you know, that would be the equivalent of the physical death. And these things really don't happen, don't happen at all. And by the way, sometimes I, I live in Los Angeles. So sometimes my friends here from Hollywood are really the, the, the responsible ones for, for those fears. Because I don't know why many times the movies that are done about these subjects tend to be more of the horror genre. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, I've had to answer so many questions about movies and things to, yeah. you know, demystify really to dispel the, all of those, uh, all of that misinformation. So. I, I cannot say it's a hundred percent safe just simply because, well, first of all, the things that might happen are more personal or psychologically related, meaning um, we might leave the body, see something so different that it might surprise us. It might scare, it might scare us simply because it's something that is just so completely different from what we are used to, not necessarily bad, not necessarily negative, just okay. different. You know, so, but there isn't the type of danger that is more related to a physical danger, like, you know, uh, breaking an arm or getting a wound. Those types of things don't happen. Actually, if anything, um, and, you know, talking to other people who do out-of-body experiences, either, even other authors that I know uh, that have books on out-of-body experiences, we, we usually come to the, to the agreement that physical life is a lot more dangerous than the out-of-body experience. Here is where you get hurt, where you get hit, where you get caught, where, you know, all the things can happen, where somebody can break into your house or things like that. But outside the body, these, these concepts just, just don't work. Don't, it doesn't work like that. The astral body is like, um, has the same appearance as us and, um, but it is more like a mold of energy and you can go through walls, you can go through roofs. So you, you're not gonna bump your head into the corner of the cabinet door. So that's just not gonna happen. So it is more dangerous here, certainly, than, than outside the body. You, you did mention the sleep paralysis. Is that a common yes. occurrence of, of OBEs? Actually, yes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you see, this, this is a good example. Good question, by the way. Thank uh, you. I'm getting better. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely. And, and you know why? Because it ties in with, with what I was saying. There is uh, somewhere in, I think, chapter four or five of my book, I have uh, the results of this survey that some, uh, some other people did about the the sensations that people describe when they have out-of-body experience. And this is, you know, thousands of people uh, all over the world. And uh, the sleep paralysis is something that about half of the population feels. So it's interesting, uh, first of all, because it seems like it's something so rare. So, you know, like it, it, when, it, when it happens to us, we tend to think 
I'm going crazy. How am I going to explain this? Nobody else has felt it. And then it turns out that half of the population has felt it. So it's actually fairly common, but it's also fairly common in terms of having the out-of-body experience. And that is happening because you're already a little bit disconnected from the body. And when you are already a little bit disconnected from the body, you have lost like the energetic connections to the muscles, to the motor function. So you're not that far. You're actually very close to the body, but more disconnected and connected. And then you cannot move your physical body. If you stay relaxed, <laughs> which is a very big if, I know, yeah. but if you stay relaxed, <laughs> in a matter of 10, 15 seconds, the two bodies are going to realign, reconnect, and now you can move the body, you can complain to the person next to you, <laughs> you know, why they didn't help you. But um, also because you're, in essence, more disconnected than connected, Something very useful that you can do is next time you have a sleep paralysis, and you know, I don't know if it happens to you, Luisa, or to anybody who's who is listening to us, not just try to stay relaxed and try to think about coming back, but stay relaxed and try to see if you can roll with your astral body outside your physical body. Because you're more disconnected than connected, this is really the easiest situation, condition from which to have an out-of-body experience from because you are already much more out than in. Just, but, but you see how, now talking about the dangers and the psychological aspects, because it is so new, it, it's yes. nothing, there's nothing wrong happening there, but because it is so new, our normal reaction when we feel the sleeping paralysis is you know, to fight for dear life, <laughs> to come back in you know, and, and um, you know, to get, come back to our normal, to what, to our normal, right? To what we know. Yeah. But if we understand that a little bit better, and this is where a little bit of information can go a, a long way, next time, you know, we can just simply try to stay relaxed. Uh, maybe the next, the next time will still catch us by surprise. But as we start thinking about this idea a little bit more, maybe by the second or the third time, we're able to stay more relaxed. Let me see. Let me try to do what, what I heard <laughs> that time yeah. or what I read in that book. And then you simply try to roll. You're, you, uh, many people are going to be surprised by how easy it is at that moment to end up in an out-of-body experience. So from the paralysis, you attempt to roll your energetic body and then you can have an out-of-body experience. Exactly. It, it, the effort is basically the same level of effort that you put when you are lying, you know, uh, over, let's say, your left shoulder <laughs> there in your bed and you roll to your right shoulder that you realize it's fairly easy because you're in the same condition, in the same reality state, using the same body. So the same thing happens at that moment. So that is, you know, uh, against common sense, probably for most people, that is one of the easiest, you know, conditions from which to have an OBE. Hmm, very interesting. Are you able to, um, when you're having an out-of-body experience, are you able to consciously... Um, have an impact on your, I'm trying to use your awake reality on your, what, what's real life, but are you able to impact your life as Lewis in your physical reality? Uh, yes, yes. Well, you know, I, I would say that, you know, everything that you see outside the body and that you learn from outside the body, you end up using it inside the body, meaning your, your perspectives now are, are different, your, your goals, your desires. Uh, so I, uh, for example, 
me giving the classes, you know, an out of party experiences, I, I do it as a volunteer. And I've been doing it as a volunteer for 25, 30 years, you know, just because I, I see the benefit that it comes from. And you start to realize there are other benefits, you know, in life that go beyond just simply, you know, uh, money or, or physical benefits. Uh, and, and, and sometimes not just the opportunity for growth for other people, but in some cases, just the opportunity to do away with certain traumas from some sensations that shouldn't have left trauma, like the sleep paralysis. I, I know certain people that they're in their 40s and they felt the sleep paralysis when they were 10. Right. And as they are talking to you, you still realize that they are still a little afraid of going to sleep because of that experience. Yeah. So just uh, helping them with that, obviously, it's a, it's a big thing. And then comes the process of, of course, growth of running. Uh, but not just the giving classes. Me, my colleagues are, are the same way. I, um, you know, we, we were joking before I, or I was mentioning that I haven't been to Australia in a while because besides just giving classes, you know, I, I try to go to different corners of the world to volunteer as much as I can. So I was yeah. in Indonesia, so much closer to you just uh, um, a couple of years ago in Uganda, in, you know, uh, Cambodia, etc. Trying to help because at least in my mind, in my, my experience has led me to understand, you know, if I die with a big bank account, it's not really that important for Lewis as a soul, as a, as a being. This is just one life and nothing from all of my other lives or not, none of my possessions, I should say, from all of my other lives are, get transferred to the next one. But what gets transferred is my knowledge, my understanding, the good relationships that, uh, that we can form uh, throughout life, those things certainly get transferred. So uh, you try to invest on things that are more permanent, you know, in contribution, helping and learning. Obviously, I, I certainly don't know everything. So wherever I go, I'm always, always trying to absorb as much as I can. So it's, um, the impact is, you know, day and night. I don't know how, yeah, how the, I would have been. The good yeah. deeds. I think Steve Jobs said it really, really well. I don't care if I'm the richest person in the cemetery. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Very, very good uh, phrase indeed. Yeah, that, that really matters very little uh, at the end of the day, you know, when so. Um, so, yeah, it certainly makes a very big impact on, on my life, on my physical life, on what on where I decide to invest my time. Right. Which I think it's one of the the most precious resources, you know, money, we can make more and everything, but time, you know, Look, money does go. help. We have to live in our, in our humanness. I agree. I agree. Yes. No, no, I agree. I'm not trying to say, you know, it's, it's unimportant, but it's just once you put it in the, like the list of priorities, yes. you know, you realize, sure, it's necessary. It's like, like food, it's necessary. You, you we have to get it like air, you have to get it, but if at the end of the day, what I can, the best that I can say of myself is I have air for all my days, I realize I could have done more. Let's put it that way. Mm. And this also, it's, it's, it's also very individual. I'm not trying to put pressure on anybody, but everybody within their own understanding, you know, uh, little by little understands what is it that they, you know, uh, can You mentioned the purpose with. before. What is our purpose? Why, why exactly. are we here? what you know and, and and sometimes i say you know when we are in second grade we are not expected to 
I don't know, contribute with our taxes to the benefit of society, of course. Amen. That is our moment. Exactly. That is our moment to absorb, to get educated. Great. You know, when we are in different, depending on the stage in which we're at, you know, our, our level of freedom is greater. And also our responsibility is a little bit greater. And that's okay. It's a conscious okay. responsibility. That would just take yeah. me on to the, the, your thoughts on reincarnation. Yes, when what specifically here we could <laughs> what, do? Do you have the belief that we reincarnate in multiple lives? Yes, and and, and you know uh, sometimes just um, trying to emphasize this point a little bit more, I, I make this sort of like joke that you know for me it has nothing to do with belief uh, because it's something that I have observed that I have seen. So you are outside the body and you see people. Just like you see people, you know, passing away and coming back, you know, to, to these realities, you also see people, you know, checking back in, uh, back into the physical reality. And, and also you start to access outside the body your own memories from different experiences and different lives. And uh, this is also part of one part of what helps you to understand that you are much more than, than you simply, you know, this. I am much more than just simply a man you know, living here in the United States in this one of thousands of lives, you know. Yes. So to try to define ourselves only by this is, as we, as we have this experience and this perspective, you realize it's a disservice to you and to everybody. Everybody's much, much more, has much more worth than, than just simply, you know, their current physical condition. So, and so, so, so souls uh, are at different levels of incarnation so obviously you mentioned you you're almost compelled to service humanity in some way whereas another person that's not their compulsion to do so right and and, and that's perfectly fine so that's why I sometimes uh put this example of like the you know the education so when we are on second grade uh it, this is our moment to to absorb to to learn and everything but you see nowadays, people are, for example, and every time this, this is younger and younger, people are, for example, in 11th grade, they are 15, 16, and they're already, many of them are already thinking, look, I have to contribute. I am already late. <laughs> I have to try to make this a better world. And certainly us adults, you know, um, many of us, we don't think only about, you know, trying to see how much I can bring to myself, but we are already contributing many times with the lives of our kids, with the lives of our nephews, sometimes with the life of people that are closer to us, and that's okay. But that is already a contribution indeed as well. Little by little, maybe this starts to expand a little bit more. The circle starts to expand a little bit more. And by the way, just in a very summarized fashion, which probably leaves more questions than answers, as the circle starts to increase, this is what eventually helps people to develop and to evolve to the condition of a spirit guide. When the circle became humongous and understands, you know, that it has had hundreds of kids, hundreds of spouses, hundreds of nephews and nieces, and I want to help all of them. Yeah. So they have that awareness, you know, and obviously that shows the increase in the level of awareness, of memory, of references, but also the willingness to try to, you know, contribute and to help with all of those individuals. So 
You what did, about Leo? You did <laughs> open it to more questions, but I'm going to con- try and constrain it a bit. But it was a, it was a great point. You don't have to change the world, just change around you, change your family. Start small. Exactly. And that no, has no, a ripple no. out effect. In, indeed, none of us has uh, necessarily have to be, you know, responsible for everybody because it's it's just too much. So I keep on saying that the second grader, I would consider myself a fourth grader. You know? Really? Oh my God, I've got a long <laughs> way to go. Then <laughs> I was considering you well, a professor. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just a fourth grader. Maybe telling my, uh, maybe uh, telling the year before sharing my homework you know, <laughs> with some, yeah. but I just, I just say that because when you leave the body and sometimes, and not that I have had thousands and thousands of interactions with spirit guides, but dozens of them and maybe hundreds of them. And you realize this is the development or this is a very good level of development of this capacity that at this moment I am starting to understand. I'm starting to see the value of and so almost like a video game, they're already on level 125 yeah. and I am on level four. And that's okay. That's well, okay. What, a, what, what a wonderful service you're doing. I just have to ask you a last question and then I'll <laughs> sure. leave it open to you. But the spirit guides, do we all have spirit guides and they're always with us? Uh, we, meaning there, there, is, there are spirit guides for sure. And they're trying to help people, uh, a lot of people. And, and, and then... Um, we have spirit guides that are trying to help us. Let me, let me put it simply. There are spirit guides who are trying to help us. Now, how much of a, an individual personal connection we have with them varies, varies depending on, um, depending on our, our history with them. And it also varies depending on what we're doing at that moment. Uh, you know, if we, if we are, for example, Again, the second grader (laughs) that just goes to school and we could consider the teacher a spirit guide. Sometimes we might have the relationship with the teacher that all the second graders have. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. But we are also, we, if we are the second grader that also in the afternoons wants to do a little extra homework and stay in the classroom and clean a little bit and help the teacher wipe the blackboard, you know, well, nobody uses blackboard, the the whiteboard, you know, of things. Sometimes we have a little bit of a closer relationship with that teacher. And then sometimes we hear him talking to his own kids and now we get a few more snippets of wisdom from that than what everybody else got in the classroom. Does that make sense? It's a great analogy. It's very, you know, I love the way you simplify everything for the For the, for the primary school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, what I, what I would say is the way to get more connected with spirit guides is for us to be a little bit more like them, meaning also goes back to try to contribute a little bit more yourself. What they're trying to do is contribute, help, guide. So if we are the lab assistant, <laughs> we already are helping a little bit, you know, sure. with the entire mechanism, of course trying to spread good information, you know, um, uh, trying to help people to have different perspective, raise their awareness. This is so, so positive. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or in other philosophies, they would say, you know, this is going to bring good karma. Yes. Good <laughs> <Yeah>. point. <laughs> Lewis, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. Is there something like you'd like to speak to the Passion Harvest audience about that I haven't asked you? 
Um, well, if I were going to say something, I sure. know that the out-of-body experiences are unique, let me put it this way, and, and in some circles, even people are afraid of them uh, a little bit, but I would say give them a chance. Uh, they're much more normal than what you realize, and they certainly can open your, your eyes, you know, to, to a much bigger reality and help you also to put more direct experience and practice you know, uh, where many times we have a lot of theory, meaning we all have read a lot of books, of course, or many people have read a lot of books, different philosophies, etc. But it'll be interesting when you can put practice to that, and then things in your mind are no longer a maybe in the category of maybe it's like this, or maybe it's not like this. But some at least some basic things are already going to be look, I already saw this. I already experienced this. I already was involved in this type of an experience or with this assistance. So then you're able to now rely on another set of ideas and of experiences, you know, to keep on trying to reach higher. So evolution, personal spiritual evolution. So give it a chance. Give it a chance. It's my invitation for people to give it a chance. <laughs> That's great. You're so passionate about it. And I, I'm excited to dive into the world of out-of-body experiences. By all means. <laughs> Lewis Monero, for anyone that would like to contact you, all your details are in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. My pleasure, Luisa. My pleasure, and really. Continue doing all this amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.